Are you tired of using subpar fertilizer that don't give your crops the boost they need? Look no further than Irish Shite, the all-natural and sustainable solution for your farm. Made from the finest blend of Irish animal waste, Irish Shite provides essential nutrients for your crops to thrive. And it's not just good for your crops, it's also good for your skin. With Irish Shite, you'll look 10 years younger. So why settle for less? Choose Irish Shite. It's made right here in Ireland. And be sure to tell your friends and fellow farmers about the power of Irish manure. This message has been brought to you by the Irish Shite Association, the natural choice for a sustainable farm. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Go! Just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. Sign of the strike, sir. We've lost contact. There go the sensors. We lost her. For now. Hello and welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show, where we talk about a show on TV. I am your host, Will Collins, and as always, I am joined by the man with the plan, the Golden Age and Silver Age fan, Kevin Lehan. How are you? I really didn't think you were going to make that rhyme. That's impressive. Hello, Will. I'm a poet, and I didn't know it. How are you? This is our first episode on mic since you have had the new baby. How is your head? Incorrect. This is my second episode on mic since I've had the new baby. We recorded no, it's not. Episode two. Yes, it is. We recorded episode two last week. That was... We did that in the morning. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, what I mean to say is since you've had the baby home. Oh, correct. I am... Absolutely. I am absolutely shattered. You know, child is uh, is is good. And mammy and baby are are good. Like all little babies, they have to be fed every three hours, twenty four seven, and they don't give a shit. And uh, so, from what you said, they seem to give a lot of shit. Yeah, my this particular let's child. Let's not get onto unlike, that though. Unlike get- all the other childs, is a poop machine. It's just like poop is just... I think poop, obviously, is my thing, is my go-to topic. It's a poop machine. It's not my go-to topic. Kevin, how are you? I'm grand. I've just been sitting here twiddling my thumbs waiting for you to come back on mic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. When's Will Will ready to come out and play? You've been outside the door waiting for me to come out and play. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're a little late on this one for good reasons, as you can hear. But we've both watched now episode three of Picard, season three. This one, 
is called 17 Seconds, although last week I said it was No Win Scenario. That's next week's episode. So this oh, one okay. is written by Akiva Gozman and Michael Chabon, who they're both illustrious writers. Michael Chabon was the showrunner of season one, which I didn't like at all. So I found it interesting that he's back to write on this episode. And Akiva Goldsman obviously is the Oscar winner and the guy who's written some truly awful films and is now, along with Kurtzman, spearheading this new iteration of Star Trek. They're the writers, but the director of this episode was Jonathan Frakes. I saw that and I was going, oh, Jonathan Frakes is directing this. Okay, very good. Will I give you a synopsis? Please do. Please refresh my baby Frazzle's brain. Okay. The Titan is on the run, fleeing into a nearby anomalous nebula for cover and flying blind. Vadik is stalking them and striking at every opportunity. But how? When struck by a barrage of phaser fire, Captain Shaw is mortally wounded and Riker assumes command with Picard assisting. He's his new number one. Outgunned and cornered by Vadik with her portal weapon, Picard and Riker must find a solution as all lives on board the Titan are at stake. Very good. So it's a chase movie, and it's this one feels very much like it's hearkening back to Wrath of Khan even more strongly than the last two. But um, yeah, what did you think overall of this episode before we get into the, the macro stuff? My general feelings, my general <clears throat> thoughts is that I feel that your criticisms of uh, the previous episode basically came to fruition for me on this episode. Okay. Uh, there were things about it I enjoyed, oh moments that I really enjoyed, and then there were things that really, really annoyed me. And I was going, "Oh my god, the things that annoyed me!" When I when I started thinking about it, were the same criticisms you had for episode two. So, but overall, I will, I'll keep going on. With, but in general, I was kind of mixed on this episode. The episode begins where it left off with a Titan being chased through the nebula. Um, Riker wants them to hide. The sensors are inoperable, and they don't seem to be finding much luck of getting clear of her. No matter where they go, Shrike is right on their tail. So from that, they flash back to two years after Nemesis, Picard having a drink, toasting Riker's newborn son. De-aged. De-aged. Thaddeus. De-aged. Yeah, to two years after Nemesis. So this is like a really good scene, I think, for both characters because you're learning through this that Riker has just had his boy Thaddeus. We know from the episode in season one that that son doesn't survive childhood. And he's talking about what he would do to save this child no matter what. And in these 17 seconds, we thought he was going to lose his son. His entire world came crashing down and it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to him. And he wishes that Picard will get to, not just experience that, but get to experience Mm -hmm. fatherhood. Little does he know that Picard has had a son with Beverly at this point. So uh, Jack Crusher is about the same age as Thaddeus. And I really like that mirroring of these two characters where Riker's going to come into this almost being more of a father figure to Jack, seeing his own son in him, but also seeing the son of his best friend and, and really trying to hit home with Picard not to let these moments go by and to, to really soak it up. And Picard is, is quite wounded by everything and he's closing off and he's focusing on the problem at hand. But this is a, a really nice scene, I think, between the two of them. What did you think of it? Yeah, I was totally into all the sort of stuff. The, the de-aging was only my, a minor distraction. 
but it was that anecdote of that Riker shared about like the, the moment where he was the baby was born was born on the Titan. Well, I'm, I think uh, that Riker's baby was born on the Titan. Yeah. In that moment where he was uh, told to get down to the to the maternity bay to to, to to you know as soon as possible. And he talks about that turbo lift drive being 17 seconds and it was the longest turbo lift drive in his life. I relate it to that because all of a sudden everything goes upside down. I relate to it because I was like, you know, I experienced it last week and all of a sudden the, the the normalcy you feel as a human being in the world is just flipped upside down. You feel as a as an as an adult, you feel completely powerless and uh, everything is thrown everything's thrown out the window and you feel it's it's such an unusual and overwhelming experience and terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. You know, that's the thing. And uh, I think they captured that really well. The only thing about it is they're de-aged, but Picard's voice is still quite elderly. So, it certainly you know, is, yeah. He, the only one voice that isn't elderly is is Riker's. My God, he sounds like the he could he they could de-age him all the way. I love Riker in in this show, but they're setting up the the conflict between the two characters, which I quite like, and they're very different men at this stage, and they're dealing with problems in a very different way. They're almost inverted in how they're dealing with problems. But the last line of the episode, I think, should be something different. And I'll tell you what it is when we get there. But also in this moment, you have the first appearance of Deanna Troy. She pops up on Mm -hmm. sort of um, FaceTime. And she is in her full first contact drunk mode where she is going for broad, broad camp. Talking about the baby has... did, Did she say the baby projectile vomited four foot into the air? That's what she said, yeah. And her accent slipped... Her natural accent came in as well. I went, oh, hang on. That's not your accent from the original no, series. That's not That's not how Troy sounds. That sounds more like a, you know, a, a Londoner. But yeah, yeah. Um, from that, they flash, we flash forward back to where we were. And there's, there's a little discrepancy that happens here. And there's a few things like this that happen in the episode where I'm like, I hope they weren't writing this on the fly. Where Shaw relieves LaForge. He says, you've, you've been on for like 72 hours straight or whatever. You're, you're relieved. Mm-hmm. And so she yeah. leaves and she goes and she has a little moment with Commander Seven. Um, Seven is being confined to quarters and she's a little model of the Voyager on her desk. So she still has great affection for Voyager. Um, but later on, in basically about 10 minutes time, LaForge is back on the bridge of the Enterprise. So mm-hmm. when she was relieved, she was basically given like a lunch break. Yeah, that was kind of it. It was like, you're relieved. Yeah, you can you can go off and go to the toilet. Go to the yeah. lavatory and come back, you know. There you You've go. been working for 72 hours, but make sure you come back in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's why she went to Seven's, seven's Quarters, because she has the, the best toilets and the only toilets <laughs> on, on the Titan. No wonder she crashed the ship if they just keep her locked at that <laughs> desk. But that was a nice scene between the two of them where she basically says to her that my father wouldn't condemn you for what you've done, that you you made a call based on your trust in your friends and that's not something that you can condemn a first officer for she appreciates can I go back? that yeah can i go back to the to the the thing that didn't bother me in the previous episode that did bother you but now it bothered me in this previous episode but it did bother me in the first episode was i know it's confusing but it's uh the scene where shaw is on the bridge you know but when he dismisses uh them to say go and have a break the i think it's the scene the sense of decorum is uh, is broken again because he's kind of swearing. I think it's this scene where he's swearing, or maybe it's there's, the there's one. still a lot of swearing in this. Yeah, and I, and I was just going, oh no 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 no, this is not this is not the way you can put yourself on wait the bridge. Wait a second, though. 
That's okay. us bringing our prejudice into Star Trek. That's <laughs> not. That's not Star Trek's fault. I Don't know, judge it on what you want it to be. Judge it on what it is. I know, Kevin. At the last episode, I tried to defend it and give it a little bit of leeway. And this time I'm going, no, 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 no. You've gone too far. You've gone too far. Pull it back. I thought that this episode had a lot more juicy scenes and there were scenes that carried a lot of weight. There was certain little... I guess it's true for Star Trek overall, but you can kind of see the the limitations, I guess. Usually it would be like the, the production design in TNG or something where they might have like bad makeup or the set looks like a soundstage. But in this... Limited sets, yeah. In this, it feels like it is maybe a time issue in that they're not, they're probably going at such a pace that um, little mistakes are starting to slip in. Like, there's a really fantastic scene which comes straight up. And after that moment between uh, LaForge, Crash LaForge and, and Seven, and it's where Picard and Riker head into sick bay and Riker says to Jack, you know, do you want to step outside for a second? Um, Kosher is up and about and she's trying to help in sick bay and she's being told like, you don't know what you're doing anymore. You're too old for this and to, to back off. Picard comes in and he wants to basically have it out with Crusher. Mm-hmm. There are multiple ways you could write this scene and it really is a, a really hard scene to write because Picard is in the right no matter what way you slice it in this argument, like you can't do what Crusher's done. But yeah. the way that they wrote it, they really made me side with Crusher. They did a really yeah. great job of justifying something which is quite heartless on her part, where she says, I lost my parents, then my husband, then Wesley, all to the same stars that own you. As a mother, your whole being is but protecting your child. I thought I could protect mine. I didn't know if I could protect yours. And I thought, okay, I kind of get it. But also... He's Picard. Picard has never lost a fight. So, you know, I think but if if he's going to be safe, the safest place he's going to be is beside Picard. Probably my favorite scene in the episode. And also she said, she says, I gave him the option to go and find you. It's not just me the entire time. I've actually given, I told Jack who's, who, who, who his dad was. And yeah. he chose not to. Yeah, but of course, when he's not had any relationship with the person, he's going to resent them. So he's not going to want to seek a relationship with somebody who's just been absent from his life. But also, she says he he got his English accent because he went to school in London. And I thought, so did she just send him off to boarding school? Yeah. <laughs> and she <laughs> fucked off like. going around the galaxy, like saving people. Um, little things like that. But I thought that was a great scene and they handled it really well. And it was nice to see them having... Uh, uh, a debate that would have felt in line with what would have been said on TNG. So I thought they wrote that really well. The only thing that I bumped yeah. against was the ship gets struck by Vatic. Vatic is basically on their ass the entire time and she's battering them with phaser fire. And they did that like um, fake shake that they do. The ship has been struck and they have to like wobble. Yeah. And they yeah. weren't timed right. So Crushers went a little before <laughs> Picard. Sorry. And it yeah. just looked like, oh, why did she just jerk back like that? And then Picard went, or Patrick Stewart went, oh shit, yeah. And then he did a stumble. It's like, well, he I, forgot I, to do it. 
I like that because it took me back to the old uh, episode, the old series where they were they were all going in different directions when they were, when they had a, a ship shake. They were all kind of one person was going to the left, the other person was going to the right. Yeah, the like, bridge I, was shaking. Worf would like yeah. stagger to the right, and Jordan <laughs> yeah. would fall forward over his console. It's like, hang on, this what, is my Star is the, Trek. Where's <laughs> the physics on the ship happen? I want to see the carpet. I want to see the carpet on the floor, and. Um, Oh, but you know, after the scene, I, I that's a big debate f- actually amongst the Star Trek fandom. It's like bring back carpeted Star Trek. Yeah, bring back carpeted Star Trek. Oh my God! Imagine the, the cleaning up all the bloodstains. Although I quite like the ship. No, I think it, it it's quite gorgeous looking. The one they're on right now. Yeah, the Titan. Yeah, I just this, wish they would turn up the dial on the lights a small little bit. Just give looks- me a little bit more illumination. Well, their quarters are quite brightly lit. It's just the bridge feels like it's focused on on action. I kind of like it. It's I've come around to it. At first, I thought there's one thing that about the show though, and it's all the Discovery shows and the Canadian Star Trek shows. The audio just feels a little too cavernous, where I feel like I can yeah. I can sense that they're on a massive soundstage. It doesn't have that yeah. sort of. Gone is the the background noise of TNG, which was this sort of like soft hum. You felt like you were in a cocoon. Yeah, there's none of that on this. It just feels very airy. After the scene with uh, Beverly and Picard, my favorite moment of the episode appeared. Right, you want to know what my favorite moment of the episode was? Jack, and it's an unspoken moment. It's of yeah, it's the Riker and Jack moment where Jack is pacing back and forth and Riker is leaning against the wall and he's just he's just grinning at him <laughs> I just loved it I sent you a message where I said this episode is fantastic so far and that was when I stopped it and said sent that to you because I just come off that great scene oh. between Crusher and Picard and it was just Riker just he had such a warm glow on his face and it's kind yeah. of really tragic when you think of this is a boy who's the same age as his son that he's lost and it's his best friend's son. And he's just looking at him, sort of dealing with all this, the id of being a young man. And he just finds it amusing. But yeah, he's, he's being very fatherly in this moment. And he's got delight. His eyes are dancing in delight looking at this kid. And I just love that. That's just like, that's a beautiful, mo- that's a beautiful moment. Just unspoken. And I was like, oh my God, it says so much about his character. It's such a great presence on camera uh you know and he's not saying anything it's just lovely it's just really nice it flies in the face though of where they're taking the Riker character in this episode because it feels to me that Riker has he's come out of a lot of trauma a lot of difficulty in his life and he's he's in a a space where he's having difficulties with his marriage with Deanna the reason that he's on the ship at all is because he wanted to get away from his wife and daughter put space between them so I like what he's doing in the moment, but when you you track it through the whole episode, it feels a little inconsistent. But I wish they'd stuck a little bit more with this type of Riker who is, he's only seeing the good things that can come from this, not the bad. Mm. He's focused on, yeah. on the opportunities for Picard and he just seems really happy for everybody. And I, I, I don't know, I just, yeah. I was like, oh, I love this. I love seeing Riker. This is my favorite iteration of Riker so far. But um, yes, a great scene. And as I said, it's tinged with a lot of sentiment because we know that he's lost his own son. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's after this where I think where I got frustrated between Riker and Picard. 
when we have the moment where they get a hit again by the Shrike. And now I do think the Shrike chasing them through the nebula, all that stuff is actually good fun. It's great fun. It's, the special effects look great. The fact that the uh, the sensors are out so they can't pick them up on the radar. So they have people at different parts of the ship looking out the windows. I think that's actually kind of cool. And we, they pass someone in the corridor and she's going, oh my, she's looking out the window. And she's going, oh my God, there they are. And she communicates. I didn't back. realize that Shaw was being sincere when he said, get somebody down the back to look out the rear view window. I thought that he yeah, was just he being was. glib. Okay, so Picard and Riker are at odds in this episode. Picard wants to fight and Riker wants to retreat. And because, that well, feels, first of all, before you get to that, before you get to that, Kevin. But it uh, colors all of their scenes together. Oh, it does. It does. But how, how they got there was that they got, they got attacked and Shaw is injured and goes down to mid-bay and he, he relinquishes. Yeah, I was getting to that because there's a scene in the corridor that leads up to that. So Picard comes out of the, the conversation with Crusher and Riker says, how did it, how did it go? And he says, immaterial. And Riker's like, no, come on. Like, this is an opportunity for you. You've got to enjoy every moment that you can with this kid. You can't, like, close off to this. But yeah, they get to the bridge. They're under attack from the Shrike again. It seems to be able to track them no matter what. Shaw gets mortally wounded. And he transfers over command to Riker, who's now the captain of the Titan. I hated the transfer. I hated that moment. I hated it. I thought it was so... I, I, You know, I was giving Shaw a pass on the pre- previous episode. Why did you... And the way, the way he, The way he performed it, the way they dealt with it, the way they performed it, it was like he passed it over to Riker going, you've got this into this, now you get us out of this mess. And it's like, it's your fault throwing, like, throwing a tantrum and throwing his... The, 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 I thought the that wheel was at him. fine, to be honest. For me, I would be like going, no, there's no fucking way I'm letting you in command... Who's the next in chain of command? Uh, like, you know, I suppose they still are. In, you know, well, he put, he, put seven, he put seven in the brig, so, or he confined well, in the waters. So. Science officer or someone like that. There's no fucking way am I going to... You know what I mean? I feel that they're... It felt like it was a really easy kind of uh, throwaway scene where, oh, look, we just need to have Riker now, Captain. Let's just do it this way. And it was like, I just felt it was... Just too short. It was like it felt like a shortcut to get in Riker uh, in, in command. Well, I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad that Riker is now captain because it got to a nice moment where <laughs> Riker leans on Picard, and Picard gives some sort of advice, and Riker takes up the advice, and they they fire a load of photon torpedoes or whatever they do, and then Picard says, um, "I think you should call me number one." I was like, yes. this is great. This is so much fun. <laughs> Everything so far yeah. in this episode is like no perfect and you can't criticize it unless you're just being miserable. I'm only joking. <laughs> Go, on. Go on. I Honestly, I was into this episode up until we get to the reintroduction of Rafi. And then I, I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on. But anyway, so Riker is now commanding the, I was going to say the Enterprise, but the Titan then it cuts yeah so they're not sure what's going on in terms of how she's able to track them it seems mm-hmm. impossible and we leave them with that conundrum um we cut to Rafi who's recovering from her encounter with Sneed and Worf is off to the side and he is doing some relaxing cutlet swinging with I love this moment with the opera. music it's yeah, the same I music from First Contact oh that's where I, I, I knew I recognised it I loved it. It was just a nice little moment, a nice beat. But what frustrates me 
about this this whole opera sorry this whole wharf raffi um kind of threads throughout this whole thing is that they've been on the same mission wharf basically says to her right i'm done with you goodbye and then we it ends up they basically end up just staying together they end up staying together for the whole thing even though they never really split up it was just i was like what what are you doing what are you saying it's just like you're no just it makes sense path. he saved her life she went into the uh, into the meetup with sneed and almost got killed he saved her life and she's just come out of this um coma yeah yeah so he's been waiting for her to wake up and as he says they're partners now they're gonna figure this out together they go off to track down a guy called Titus Rex, played by Thomas Decker, who has some connection to the Daystrom Institute, where this portal weapon that was used to attack the Federation was stolen from. And it's the same portal weapon that we see Vadic using later on in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. seems pretty clear that Vadic was the one that attacked the Federation recruitment center. Titus Ricca. So he's this mysterious character. It's like, okay, who are you working with here? And you're a human and all this sort of stuff. We kind of keep that going. Worf had a lot of one-liners in this, but he has one where he's like, I've made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny. We're getting into Worf being a huckster. Or where he says later on, um, Raffi threatens Titus Ricca that she's going to pull off his fingernails. And Worf steps in and goes, you may keep your fingernails. But... <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, in Rafi and these scenes, Rafi goes in, like, at a, at a level of 10. Rafi's at 10. She's at she, 10 she's no got, matter what she's doing. Yeah, there's no place for her to go. It's like, if she goes in, I'm, I'm going to pull off. If she goes in quieter. If Rafi is thinking, she is frowning and tense and, and she's drumming her fingernails and she's, like, tapping her, her temple and thinking, think, yeah. God damn it, think. It's like, yeah. just... <laughs> It's not panto. You don't need to project to the back row. It's like, just take it down a notch. You just said this thing that popped into my head when I was watching her. I felt like, I felt she was on stage. You know what I mean? It felt like, yeah, I, that's exactly how I feel her performance. Her performance is more geared to the boards than it is to the small screen. It's like that moment where Worf says, look, we need to find this guy, Titus Ricca. And then the camera pans onto her and pushes in. And all you need in that moment is to just be on her face she doesn't need to do yeah. anything with her face you just hold on her face let us interpret what she's thinking in this moment so that we have dramatic stakes to where it's going to go next is she unhappy about this is she not willing to go along with it is she thinking how this is going to pan out for her instead she has to overly emote and as i said it's like performative exposition it's like she can't let any nuance go she's got to express Fuck no, maybe. Oh yeah, like in three <laughs> seconds. It's like this is just too arch. It's too. It's. It makes me feel that they think I'm so stupid that they have to telegraph everything for me. This goes in complete contrast to the moment that I loved the moment with Riker, where where it is just Riker watching. It's just and and it's and, and he's not. He's just leaning against the wall and he's watching a character pace back and forth. And he is, he's emoting everything in just, just that stare, whatever's in his eyes in that moment. I love seeing characters think on screen. We don't see it enough anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Rafi needs to just calm down. And that's why I feel like, is it a timing thing? Is it that they've only got 
10 minutes to get this scene covered and they have to keep moving and moving because it's quite a stacked cast and you know what it's like these things they can run away from you and they're, they're like a there's like problems coming from all different angles so you're just trying mm. to get the best compromise on screen for every moment but I feel like she's trying to pull focus and she doesn't need to yeah exactly it's just lean into that anyway I think that's that's been a, an issue with me from the beginning as well her character and how it's portrayed uh, so she's too big she needs to go down a level but a lot of them are quite big in this Shaw is too big back on the Titan Crash LaForge has returned from her break right she's back she's uh, she's used that one toilet on the on the Titan and Jack is down in the med bay and he, is dis- he has had a notion of how they might be tracking them. But he doesn't actually have the specifics, but he does kind no, of go, no. oh, they're you've tracking skipped, us. You've skipped over a bit, which is skipped. Shaw is dying and Crusher steps in to save him. Oh, yes. yeah. And yeah. he sees the blood trail and that leads him to think that there's a trail that they might be pursuing. He goes That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. to the bridge and he's not landing to the bridge. So he goes to Commander Seven's quarters and says, it's like you said, about blood in the water. Um, Thank you. being We're being tracked. And Seven goes, it must be Veritanium, which is something that came up in Voyager. So they go to wherever the warp coils are on the ship to basically see if there's anything amiss. And lo and behold, it's been tampered with, which means, as Picard deduces on board the, the bridge, that they have a saboteur on board. There was a little beat of them leaving uh, seven, leaving their quarters, where I just, where I felt was a little bit off as well. You had a moment where he he decks the officer that's guarding the quarters. Uh, they, she says, "Well, well, let's leave, right?" So seven and Jack are going to leave the quarters, and but she goes to the door. The door opens, and the the officer is just standing there. And but I'm like going, "What's seven thinking?" You know what I mean? He was like, what's Seven thinking? You know, how is she going to get past the, the officer? Is she going to say something? Would she initiate something? But no, Jack just punches the officer. And I just felt, oh, no, 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 no. That's not, This beat was mishandled. Just ever so slightly, I wish there was an opportunity for a better gag or I felt Seven's character wasn't uh, yeah. thought true in that moment fully or what she was going to do in that moment. Yeah, it, things work better in Star Trek when they use their wits rather than their fists. Mm. and shown us that Seven could have, le- could have left her quarters at any moment she was just like if she immediately put something to action just went right he's locked in there now you know what, do you know what I mean so it's on Seven's shoulders where we I think it would have it's a missed opportunity and it gave just to give Jack the I suppose the bragging rights of like oh I just decked him yeah maybe but they discovered that there's a, a saboteur on board the Titan yeah and it's the guy that when they Picard and Riker walked on to the ship and they were you know, going through that lineup and and Picard stopped to check the guy's com badge was properly aligned. There was one guy oh. gave a sort of a very mean looking stare, and it's him. Ah, <gasps> oh, I was wondering had we seen him before. Okay, okay, all right, at least that. Yeah, and he attacks Jack and badly injures him, leaves him for dead. And uh, we learn in that fight that this guy is a changeling, so he's like Odo yeah. from DS Nine. Yeah, it's calling back to that whole Dominion thing. Yeah. And then Worf later on says where he got his intel from originally was from Odo. So Odo has informed him. Right. And that's led him to seek out 
Rafi to help him track down what's going on with the Daystrom Institute. So there's these little callbacks to even DS9, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice to have that. I was like, oh, after having watched that series recently, um, they're a nefarious group, that Dominion. While they're reeling from the fact that they have a saboteur on board, Riker and Picard, are, they can't escape the nebula because the Vadic has this big portal weapon that if they fly into it, it opens a portal, a sling ring or... What's that game you spoke about? Portal? Portal. <laughs> yeah, it's Portal. It's a portal gun. That's what she's shooting at them. Yeah, and it means that she can redirect them no matter where they go, so they can't escape her. It's like a cat playing with a mouse. I thought it was actually great. Like, you know, they're escaping, and then she just shoots a gun, and then they just appear right in front of her every time. It's a good crack. Yeah, and they use it in quite a thematic way later on, where Picard is the reason that they hurt themselves. He basically mm-hmm. causes them a self-inflicted wound. Um, nice little cat and mouse moments in there where she's toying with them and not letting them escape the nebula. I don't know why they mentioned that the nebula was like half biological, half chemical, and it wasn't a real nebula. And then I'm hoping that it will mean there'll be some substance to that in the coming episodes. So it's a big living entity that they're inside. Jack is taken to sickbay. He is dying. Riker tells Picard, go, go be with him quick. Uh, Picard gets into the turbo lift and it's his 17 seconds. Yeah. He gets down to sickbay where all sound is pulled away and it's just him and Crusher desperately trying to save him. And again, it's it's like thematically on the page, that's beautiful stuff where it's what you want. It's just that sometimes it can feel a little bit like ham-fisted in the way that they're going about it. Mm-hmm. But it... It's what you would need. If you were writing the script, these are the moments that you absolutely have to have to yeah. push the story along. So it basically papers over all the cracks now, which is that they both realize what they could have lost in this moment. It's their flesh and blood that's between them. And Crusher just manages to, to pull him back from the brink, restart his heart. And this is being cross-cut with Raffi and Worf interrogating this Titus guy who gives us all the exposition we need which is that yeah I'm a changeling and that your entire construct of society is going to come crashing down and uh, did they kill the changeling that was on board the the ship oh he oh that's a good question what happened to him did they even find him they didn't find him did they no I just thought there no. for a second so that's the a guy, new thread that's they're going to have to pick yeah. up on the next episode the guy they have is he dies they can't stay in a solid state for X amount of time every, after after twelve every 12 hours they basically have to just go, go into a cup and just relax or a cat bowl so this is where things get a little bit testy on the bridge they're trapped they can't escape the nebula Picard wants to go for an attack and Riker is like no we need to stall we need to drag this out we need to just continue to hide and posing this as if it's how both of them have dealt with trauma but I don't think that that Riker is a guy that is hiding from anything I feel like this was my issue yeah I this it was this this conflict really kind of it feels like like it should be reversed exactly and and also it wouldn't it wouldn't be as protracted the history they have I've seen them in so many encounters where yeah they might have a conflict of interest about how they might approach a particular scenario but 
they don't let it they don't let it drag on for scene after scene after scene it feels like this, that what was coming back to mind is the criticism you had about in the previous episode where it was like the same argument was being had three times and we don't necessarily have to but also as you just said it just felt like they were on the wrong side of the argument it felt like Picard used to be the one who'd say no let's hide and Riker was the one who would say let's go in and shoot the shoot the fuckers yeah because um, Riker was passion and Picard was thoughtfulness yeah so I don't think that I mean it makes sense that Picard or the fuck now it would make sense that Riker has cooled a little over the years that he's settled a little bit and that he wouldn't approach problems the same way as he used to. But I, I cannot imagine that this is what would take them to the point where he would... He would say the thing that he says as his last line. Yeah. And just on the page, I'm sure they're, they're like tracking going, okay, this makes sense. We're building up, you know, this tension here. Riker is frustrated with Picard because Picard is like throwing away the gifts that he's been presented Riker's like, if I could only have a moment back with my son, I would do anything in the world for it. And you have your son right here and you're ignoring him and you're pushing him away. Mm-hmm. It's played for tragedy's sake, I think, at the end when Picard returns to the bridge and he insists on Riker that they fire upon the Shrike. Vadik opens up a portal. The torpedo blasts go into the portal and appear behind them and basically blow them out of it. A beat I loved. I loved that effect. I thought that was such a cool uh, moment and a cool kind of uh, use of that device. Yeah, I thought for a second they shot in a different ship in a different star system or something. I was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. But then Mm. you wouldn't be able to track that. It's like, well, where did that come from? But they've shot it on themselves and they're basically falling into a gravity well. And it looks like all hope is lost. And then Riker says something where... If I was in the writer's room, I would have rewritten it. Or I would have desperately pitched to rewrite it and probably gotten myself fired off the show quite quick after because nobody wants somebody that is insisting that they listen to them. But he says, Riker says to Picard, remove yourself from the bridge. You've just killed us all. That is so callous of a thing to say. I would never imagine that Riker would say that to Picard. And also, that just feels like a shawling. 100%. This is exactly what went through my head. I just went, hang on a second. You've, you're, the, you've just copied the, some dialogue from Shaw in the previous episode and just rejigged it for, for to come out of Riker's mouth. This is not the Riker that you have been, that has been portrayed in the series so far. It's like, he would not, that would never happen between Riker and Picard. But Ever. you know what he should have said that would have tied everything nicely together? Come on, come on. He should have said, go be with your son. You've just killed us all. Oh, Kevin. Yes. Oh, yes. That's what he should have said. And then it's like, he's just basically slapped him in the face with like, you have taken your eyes off of what the real prize is. And now you've only got these last 17 seconds together. So go be with him. And that's how the the episode should have ended with that line. 100 fucking percent not remove yourself from the bridge you've just killed us all that's so empty and callous but go oh, be with yeah, your son you've just killed Jesus us all Christ. they they missed it he was sitting there they set it up for themselves <laughs> and they fucking missed it and there you are you're like going this is 
this is fucking it. This is what they needed to do. If if that was there, I would have been because that's when I said when I said to you, I was just I was much more mixed on this episode. It was because of those that final ten minutes. I did not feel any of it was through to their characters and particularly that final beat between what we're discussing right now i went no 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 this is not how this would get result this is not how these characters are interacting with each other even when they were in the shit they never went that far you know they, yeah it would it was just it, there would be a look or there would be a kind of a they, they were still side with each other when somebody and, uh, has saved your life dozens and dozens of times and you've risked everything to save their life you don't fall out that fast over things like this when you know that no. each of you are under immense stress you have a little yeah. bit more consideration and empathy and you understand each other to the point where Riker would be the first person to defend Picard against anyone like not even Troy could get through Riker to get at Picard if for yeah. instance she needed to so it's like they've made just, a podcast with each other for years. They should know each other in and out. <laughs> <laughs> they know each other warts and all. Uh, but but one hundred percent. Like they, I think these two are. Yeah, they are best friends. They're he. He wouldn't. That's but what you that your alternative line, Kevin. I'm not going to say this very often to you. It's fucking beautiful. It's beautiful. That oh, uh, if I was in the, if where, we were in the writers' room, I would be there. And you say that, and they're saying, "Oh, Kevin, you're fired," and I'll say. He's fired, but uh, I got to rewrite Kevin's life. <laughs> I would say he's fired, but I have an idea. <laughs> and then they'd say, "Jesus Christ, that's a great idea!" And you just smile, yeah. holding onto your bath, yeah. and they'd be like, "Yeah, great <laughs> idea." Bro. I don't know. It just, it just, it just hit me. I don't know where. I just, yeah, it just came to me. You know, I'm a new dad, and I just, I just felt it was just there in the ether. But no, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, they dropped it. They dropped the ball there. And but one. this is where I feel like. They're probably going at such a pace that these things are slipping through the cracks. Maybe that's it. And also, what was you, you, the other thing that I was that stood out to me in this episode is how different what a, how different of a format of story these this this season is versus the episodic old show. Whereas in the episodic old show, you would have they were one story, one concise to- story told over forty five minutes of screen time, versus this is one story told over eight or ten hours how many hours so there's an awful lot of padding they're trying to find turns over the course of one episode and manufacturing they're i think that's a very manufactured yeah, change and drama that's that line remove yourself from the bridge you just kill us all is sort of like the thing that you put in as a placeholder but you know it's going to have impact because it's like boom holy shit mm-hmm. Riker would never say that but it's empty conflict because it doesn't feel truthful. The reason yeah. why I probably like this more than the last episode is because I like seeing these actors interact with each other. Yeah. So this episode was much more heavily focused on all the TNG characters. Like Crusher, Worf had big scenes and Riker was heavily in this episode. So it didn't feel like it was... And Seven of Nine is a great character. So it didn't feel like I was getting irritated by having to spend so much time with Shaw winging it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has lessened the irritation that I felt. But no, I still bump up against Rafi and what have you. But the first half of the episode was good for me. And it was when we had the conflict between Picard and Riker. I felt that was disingenuous and forcing the final end, end point that really irked me. And also, you know what I missed? 
I missed Vadik. Vadik has like barely a handful of lines in this, and I went, "Oh, I wanted more of her." She was so I, I, I enjoyed the introduction of her in the previous episode. And That's if I'm not to get more. too concerned about because I know they've got seven more episodes. So yeah, I'm not going. But, and also, I did enjoy the horror to- toying with them in the nebula. I thought all that stuff was great fun. The effects looked cool and uh, I'm still on board the series I'm still I'm on the whole enjoying it you know? but you know where I just pitched that line and said go be with your son uh, you just killed us all the reason that would have got shot down in the writers room would be Akiva saying nah we can't do that because in the next scene he's in the break or he's in wherever he's he's sitting by himself in like the Aberethium so he's not with Jack therefore we can't have that moment but I'm like yeah, so he didn't go to be with Jack. That's still yeah. his r- failing as a character. But this is how these things would get dropped because someone would say, you can't do that because meh. Like, go back to the original series of uh, the first episode, pilot episode of TNG, and you see how Picard is with Will Wheaton's character. And it's like, shut kids. up, Wesley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shut up, Wesley. And he just is so uncomfortable around children. He is just so awkward and just like, oh, kind of hilarious. If, if Picard, because you know Picard now is like 150 years old, so you know yeah. he can say whatever's on his mind. And Riker said to him, "Remove yourself from the bridge. You just kill us all." And Riker gets into the turbo lift and goes, "Shut up, Will!" And <laughs> you mean Picard goes into the turbo lift and shuts the door? He's just like, "Fuck you, Will! You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me." Um, just have more spats, more marital spats between the two of them, and I'd be on air. <laughs> I'm, I'm with, I'm with uh, Jonathan Frakes. I think Riker is my favorite character. Uh, I love forever. him, but I also love Jonathan Frakes' performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's like, why haven't we seen him in more things? I all, all I know him from well, he's, is just he's doing a, this. He's in Lower Decks. He's the captain on the Lower Decks is set in the Titan. And him, okay. he's the voice actor on that as the captain of the Titan. And he's also full of beans and he's like in proper Shatner mode. Okay. He's like, okay. Troy is there as well, like sitting beside him. So it's quite fun, Lower Decks, if you... I watched the first episode and I went, okay, actually, this is not bad. I'm going to give it more, more of a go. Well, let's wrap it up there. Picard is available to watch on Amazon and Paramount Plus for those subscribers. The next episode is called No Win Scenario. This one was 17 seconds. I got it wrong last time. And again, as I said on the previous episode, I'm looking forward to the next episode. So am I, Kevin. Even though I was a little bit a little bit more tepid on this one, I still enjoyed it on the whole. I know, yeah. What's your problem? Hey, I've got a baby. I'm, I've only got like about five hours sleep in my in my. Bones. Oh my God, would you stop talking with the baby? The baby, the baby, the baby. No. The 17 seconds I had. The, sh- the, shooting, the shooting shit. I'm going to cut the- this episode down to 17 minutes. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Okay. I'm enjoying this. Good to talk to you, Will. Good to talk to you. It's great to be on mic. See you guys. Good luck. Thanks for listening.
And here is a clip from the lad's latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits for Will and Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin and Willem. For the films and the, for the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. Okay. <laughs> you can't remember really what. <laughs> oh my God. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits for Kevin and Willem. Talking TV and the latest. Okay, right. I'm going to find the fucking thing. Because it's going to be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it. That'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened to it. I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, of yeah. course, I was delighted with that. And people hated it. <laughs> it's not, it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy on the ears in, a, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm, I'm, I'm Hogwarts and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly what did you do? So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. I'm not, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God. I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem. About the telly and the latest film. Talking shit to the dynamic duo. Don't forget, no, you owe three euro. Come off the stage, old That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And does, I, that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be Squat in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, so I'm saying, you just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, <laughs> I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about. Should I start the timer? Have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare to go. I saw Madam Webb. Right. I honest to God know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster of, very recently. It went, there's a Madam Web film, and I'm what is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider Man movies. But I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago, and I thought it was just tedious. It's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel, is that what Marvels? Well, yeah. she's in it. Captain Marvel, Captain yeah. Marvel two. 
It was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and Mm -hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films. I feel like Uh, there's nothing organic happening in these from the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels it's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh wow I just I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry it feels like eating plastic okay on the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them yet I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of The Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went to the Madam Web not really giving a fuck about the genre but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition and I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage and uh, the film itself to me played like a Final Destination action thriller and I thought it was really pleasant it didn't bother me in the slightest I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has it was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them and they just play that out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man it looked as good as that it was all real locations for me it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but... Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to it. He was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Cathy was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Cathy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. <laughs> so I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Thank you.